here we go, here we go, one more message, one more message. And um, I had the honor to be invited today and share, break bread with the brethren, which is really amazing. A high honor the Lord bestowed on me here. And um, what I believe he impressed on my heart for today, for this, this evening, is partakers of divine nature. Partakers of divine nature. And so often, uh, as we live life as Christians, we come and we become born again, and we think about, we think about how, I mean, especially at the new birth, you come and you encounter the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and you know you're born again, and you're now a Christian, so you have this high expectation, high expectation to live as a Christian. And so often, we don't even know what that looks like. And so we walk a few years with Jesus and we look around and we're like, uh, gee, my life hasn't really changed that much. Hasn't really changed that much. Uh, I mean, yes, I do go to church and yes, I do have Christian friends, but I mean, we talk about the same things. We go through the same struggles. It really hasn't changed much. And I think this has been really the burden of my heart when I share the word of God is this transformation. It's a transformation that we're called to. It's not, it's not a, a walk in the park, I always say. It is really a press towards a yeah. heavenly call. And the press towards the heavenly call is really of the Holy Spirit. Because how can I, of my natural man, press through into a spiritual realm that is of the spirit and not of the carnal man? How do I walk a Christian life, which I know is from above, as a mere human being. And that's the beauty and the glory of the new birth. When we become born again, the word of God says we are a new creation. If my voice is elevated, I'm just used to kind of being really elevated. But um, new creation reality. New creation reality. And so when we start um, picking up the word, picking up this written word of God and start meditating on verses that he'll, he'll really bring to our, our, our sight, I start realizing that there is a life within me that is not carnal, that there is a nature within me that is not of man, that there is a reality within me that is of heaven and not of earth. And how do I walk that out now? How do I walk out that which I'm cognizant of having within me and allow my outer circumstance to line up with it? And what I see in the Word of God without a mind renewal, a shift of a thought, a, a new thought which will produce a new sight, which produces a new hearing, really, we're done for. Because we'll be really the most frustrated beings on earth. Because we know we're spirit beings, and yet we are living just like everyone else in the world. We're struggling with the same struggles. We are uh, partaking of, of the same uh, intensity of life. We are under the same circumstances as everyone else is. And yet we know that our portion in life is Christ. So what does Christ look like? So let's go to second, uh, the second epistle of Peter in chapter 1, 
And this is something that I have, at one point I memorized it, and then I had to unmemorize it so I see it brand new again. And so Peter writes in, in verse 2, Grace and peace be multiplied. Grace and peace be multiplied to you. So grace and peace is to be multiplied to us in the knowledge of God, to know him. In the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And to really, can I say, the word that became flesh. Right? So who is Jesus? Jesus is, we go back to John 1, the word made flesh. So to know the word that became flesh, <coughs> to know the reality of the word of God, to know the reality of the word of God is to know God. How do we know God? We know he's beyond one experience. He's beyond one encounter. We know that the encounters and the experiences and the impressions of God that we get in prayer that I'm really thankful for are just a, 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 a minute sliver of a, of a moment, part of a greater reality, and the sliver of a moment that he's inviting us to partake of this understanding is really to be an open door into the greater understanding, which is really to bring forth an appetite for the reality of his word. It's about a divine understanding that is beyond the human comprehension. Because if it was of the human comprehension, then everyone in the world will know him. Right? So it's of a spiritual discernment. And so this is what Peter is saying, that grace and peace be multiplied unto you. And so this peace that we're talking about is the shalom peace. It's really Christ himself, the Prince of Peace. Be given to us to be able to understand him. To understand the one we worship. To understand our heavenly father. And so verse 3 qualifies how it happens and how it comes about. As his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, take note of this call to know him, this call to partake of the understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ is a call that is of glory and virtue. So it's never maligning. It is never condemning. It's never crooked. It is glorious and virtuous. And why would I amplify that? Because this is how we know we call to a higher life, a life of glory and a life of virtue, because his call is such. Verse 4, by which, by which had been given to us through this calling to know him, had been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises. And I think the mic is not on. Uh, by which have been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers. You may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. 
And so here is the message that we now through these great and precious promises. What are these promises? It's his word, right? So transformation, transformation always comes through the word. Transformation always comes through it is written that becomes it is living now for you and I. So that we can be partakers of divine nature having escaped. And so when I partake of this divine nature, I have at this moment escaped all the corruption that is found in the world through lust. And so this is the only way that my life will be different from everyone else's life in the world. When I become cognizant, a partaker of something that is higher than I, something that is bigger than I, something that is more glorious and virtuous than anything that's in the world. And this is how our appetites get stirred up for God. And this is how the appetites of the flesh get disengaged. Because this is the only way we escape this corruption that is in this world through lust. What lust? Lust of the eyes, of the flesh, and uh, the pride of life. Let's go from here to John, First John, sorry, First John, just after First Peter, Second Peter, First John. Chapter 4. So what I wanted to really bring about is that we are different. And we are to look different. That we are to have a sense of being different. And this is not the being weird. It's that we are now of a higher birth. We are of a higher rank. We are now called by glory and virtue to be children of God. In First uh, John 4, 4, you are of God, little children, and have overcome them because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. What are we talking about? Being partakers of divine nature that is found where? Within us. It's found where? Within us. This divine nature is within us. And this divine nature, it's really he himself who's far greater than everything that's in the world. And so it's not a worldly nature. It's not a carnal nature. And through this nature, through the one that's greater in us than the one that's in the world, we have overcome all. And so here now, here now we realize how we escape the corruption that's found in the world that, that Peter talked about. It is through him in us because we're now his little children. Isn't that amazing? I remember being in the church service many years ago. And this, this lady, she was, I'd say, maybe late teens, actually a young lady maybe early 20s, potentially, I'm not sure. And she was really coming into the revelation of being a child of God, just being a child of the Most High God. And um, the pastor gave her the mic on a Sunday morning because she was so stirred up about that which God was showing her, that she's a child of God. She's a child of God. She's a child of God. And she just kept, I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. I go into a store and all I know is I'm a child of God. And I, I remember 
listening to her and she's just so repetitive. I'm a child of God. And the more she said it, the more stirred up she, she became. And, and, um, and I, I, I looked at her and I'm like, I must not have this revelation because all I keep hearing is repetition. And for her, every time she said it, it became even more exciting. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of God. And I really think there's no higher revelation than the revelation of being a child of His. Because without this revelation of being born of God, that now I am to resemble my heavenly Father, that now I have a brand new nature, that I can partake of how? By renewing my mind, by, by really laying that old carnal mind on the altar. By refusing to think the way I used to think, by becoming aware of these repetitious thoughts. What does it sound like in your mind? What gets you down in your mind? That's a repetitious thought. That every time you make some sort of a progress, like I'm a child of God, something holds you back. I'm a child of God and it's like, hmm. This pullback is really the stronghold of a mind that is carnal. I'm a child of God, but I'm stuck in the world. I'm a child of God, but nothing is lining up for me. I'm a child of God, but yet I don't see his love as much as someone else does. I'm a child of God, but why am I struggling like everyone else? And so that moment that is telling me, all right, I go to Romans 12. Crucifixion is required. A death to an old mindset is required. And you cannot partake of this, how do I say, baptism of death. Romans 6 talks about a baptism of death that we are, we are now identified with his death through the, the baptism <coughs> that we undergo. It's, it's an identification with his death so that we can be identified with his resurrection. And so, you know, in, in Romans 12, talking about being a living sacrifice, I think all of us can potentially quote it here, but let me just put my eyes on it. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, brethren, I beseech you, therefore, Brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your body, that you present all of who you are, all of who you are, your desires, your ambitions, your thoughts, your, your identification, you present all that you are, your body, a living sacrifice, holy, holy acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And do not be conformed, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is good and acceptable and perfect will of God. So here I see to be a living sacrifice is to undergo a transformation of a mindset. Right? Because he said, be a living sacrifice. Make a presentation of yourself to God. What is a sacrifice? Die to all that you think that you are. And take on the new nature of Christ. Take on this living reality, which is 
holy and acceptable before God. You are born again. You are a new creation. And that looks like a transformation <coughs> by the renewing of the mind, which is just the opposite of being conformed to the world. I remember early on in our marriage, my husband and I, you know, as a, as a married couple, you're setting certain uh, realities in your home or moments where you want to be identified by. And so one of them was, if the world speaks a particular way, we will not speak that way. It was like, we'll not sound like the world. We will not, will not, will not worry and care about the things that they care and worry about. And it's something we had to really grow up in, and we still are being transformed out of conformity of the world into the Christ nature. Because it's this transformation, Paul tells the Corinthians, it's, it's, it's by the Holy Spirit from glory to glory. So when you make that decision, I want to live for him alone. I want to be a living sacrifice. I want to live a life that is acceptable to my heavenly father. I have a conversation to have a conversation that is edifying to him. Then you know that moment you are desiring a transformation. And patience is required because you catch yourself in that which had you before. You catch yourself in the old snare. But just because you, you, you're caught there doesn't mean you gotta stay there. Shake it off. Shake it off. Pick up yourself again. Get up again. Get up again. Get up again. Because let's see. Second Corinthians. Let's go back to Second Corinthians. Actually, we didn't go there, but. 2 Corinthians, we were in Peter, so 2 Corinthians 5. Because our life is no longer flesh and blood, solely of our blood, oh, sorry, we're now of the blood and the broken body of the Lord Jesus Christ. 2 Corinthians 5, in verse 14, we're going to read all the way down to 17. For the love of Christ compels us, there's a movement that moves us, right? Which is the love of Christ. Because we judge thus, if one died for all, then all died. So right there, I already am a living sacrifice through his death, right? If one died for all, then all died, and he died for all. Why? That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but be living sacrifices. Can we say that? For he died for all, that those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. That those who live should live no longer for themselves, but for him to be acceptable, to be holy in his sight, who died for them and rose again. And then we hear 16 coming on the heels of that. Therefore, from now on, from now on, we regard no one. We regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him Thus no longer. 
because he is no longer the Jesus that walked the dusty roads of Bethlehem and Jerusalem. He is the soon coming king. He is the crucified one that became alive, that arose for you and I. He is high and lifted up. He sits at the right hand of the of, of God on high so that we can now have a brand new life. So that we have to see him in this resurrected state of glory. Because it's only with the sight can we understand that he died so I live. Because as he lives, so do I live. As he lives, so do I live. How does he live? He lives a resurrected life. How do I live? I live a resurrected life. I have already passed from death unto life. So verse 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, which we are through the new birth, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. He is a new creation. All things have passed away. All things, the old mindset. We got to let it go. It's passed away. It's not valid for us anymore. It's not going to help us anymore. It would only hinder us. Behold, all things have become new. All things have become new. In chapter 10, verse Three. For though we walk, so Second Corinthians ten three, right? For though we walk in the flesh, though we are here on earth, though there's a humanity to our life, we do not war according to the flesh. How do we war? According to new creation, man. We just we just read that we are now brand new. And so we're not going to war with that which has passed away. We're going to war with something that's brand new. How would we know the brand new? By renewing our mind through these precious promises. By being partakers of a brand new nature. <laughs> Isn't that exciting? But it is a war. Tells me there will be great resistance. And the way we overcome this resistance is only through the new man. Because here Paul says, For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the war, sorry, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. The weapons of our warfare. I've often thought about it. That we have weapons for warfare. The gospel is actually militant in nature. And it's not a carnal militancy. It's a supernatural order of life. It's a living life order. Because it's a new creation order. It's a new creation life. It's of the spirit man. And maybe when I speak, you're like, wow. Like, conformity to Christ is only done through partaking of the precious promises. Right? So no matter how many messages we hear, if we're not partaking of 
the bread that he breaks for us, the bread of life, then there'll be no transformation. And we won't even realize how conformed we are to the world. We won't even realize how we're actually resembling the world, even though we are in church, even though we are Christians, without partaking of this divine nature, this brand new weaponry. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. It's telling me there are strongholds that have to be pulled down. And that's true for all of us. That's true for all of us. Casting down arguments, it's true for all of us. All of us have to cast down arguments. You're not good enough. You're never going to be good enough. You're never going to make it. An argument that's out against you, that is always speaking damnation unto you. And yet you're a child of God in you. You are born again. And the only voice that we're to follow is whose? The good shepherd. And how often, how often we fellowship with the deceiver in our minds. Because we are not understanding that these strongholds are to be brought down, not to be mesmerized by, not to be entertained, not to try to pretend it's not there. It's a warfare and it's in your mind, but it's right here within my own, within my own understanding. I have to renew my mind to take the dominion of the word of God and, and bring it into my heart through a divine revelation so that it starts becoming me and takes on flesh in my life. The word made flesh. What did Peter say? The will, no, the knowledge of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. The knowledge of the word made flesh. The knowledge of that which has set me free. Because it's only the truth which is the word of God that sets me free. So freedom is only found in truth. And truth is that mighty weapon of God that is mighty in God to the pulling down of deceptive strongholds. Arguments that are really lies, lies, accusations that are not of God, the way to cast down. And every high thing, that's one thing about the devil likes to be a high thing. That's what he said. That's why he was brought down because he said five times, I believe, was it five eyes there? Was it Isaiah or Ezekiel? That, you know, I'm going to send, I'm going to be, I'm going to sit on the throne. I, 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 and God just responded in the same, in the same, in the same manner that, no, you are going down, you're going down. But these high things are really thoughts of Satan. They're of the carnal nature. And really when I talk about the carnal nature is the nature of the flesh that you delivered off. When you became born again, your spirit man became brand new in Christ. You became a child of God. That's why he's called the father of all spirits. So your spirit man came alive. No longer to die. Not to taste death because Jesus tasted death. And so now your spirit man needs this body, this shell, this vessel, this earthen vessel. To live in. Why? To dominate for God. To shift the atmosphere on earth. Thy kingdom come here right now. Sometimes it's an utterance. Other times it's a musical note. 
Sometimes it's just the gaze. It's where you're stationed. It's according to the calling of God in your life. And you have a soul. You possess a soul, which is your mind, your will, and your emotions. And when I think about the soul, I think about the mind. Because as your mind goes, so goes your body. And where your body goes, so goes your spirit. And so what we are after through the renewing of the mind, this transformation that we read about in Romans 12, is that the spirit man has the preeminence. The Christ nature that we're partakers of. We have the preeminence and we take and we bring an alignment of my mind with the mind of Christ and then take my body on assignment. On assignment. I'm on assignment. I'm dispatched from heaven on earth. I am an ambassador here to what? <laughs> to increase, to, to, uh, to, to multiply, to procreate the very kingdom of God. And so this, this renewing of the mind is a constant it's a constant state of being. It, we are constantly coming against high things that exalt themselves. Against the knowledge of God. Take note, note, they're not higher than God. But these high things want to exalt themselves against your knowledge of God. So they want to have a preeminence over your God knowledge. And that's why Peter said, grace and peace be multiplied <coughs> unto you. So we'll have the knowledge of God so that the preeminence in our life will not be the lie of Satan, it, but it will be the knowledge of God. The, what we start off with, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. And now all this argumentative nature of the carnal mind that Satan really inhabits and, and, and trusts in your life is wanting to exalt itself above the knowledge of God. And so what do we do? We strip it down. No, you don't. Jesus is my Lord. Every thought has to line up with the promise of God. I am a new man. I am a new woman in God. I do have dominion. I do have a say-so. I do have authority. I do have a brand new life. I do have the mind of Christ. And so I will think on those things that are above and not below. To bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. But look at verse 6. And being ready to punish all disobedience so that your obedience is fulfilled. What that is telling me is when I punish every disobedient thought. How do you punish it? Drive it out. You drive out that thought. No, you don't. No. I won't partake of you. No. I partake of the promise of God. When you punish every disobedient thought, you're walking in perfect obedience to the call of God. Right there. What is his call? His call is to be conformed, to be conformed to the Christ nature. His call is to be conformed to Jesus in Romans 8. Let's go to Romans 8. A few things in Romans 8. I'll wrap it up with Romans 8 here. 
Sorry? Oh, yay, look at that, look at that. Isn't that neat? Neat. The Lord is so good, isn't he? All right. Um, now, there's a lot to Romans 8 here, but I'll just focus on, on um, just a couple of moments. Well, I said you're called to be conformed to the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the call? It is this conformity to the image of the Son of God. If we go to Romans 28, 29, Romans 8, 29, for whom he foreknew, that is God, whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed. He predestined you and I in Christ to be conformed to the image of his Son that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And so we read in Romans 12 that we're not to be conformed to the world, but we're to renew our mind to be transformed. Transformed into what? A conformity to the image of the Son of God. This is the new nature. Isn't that amazing? The new nature inside of us wants to come out. So all men will see Jesus through us. And, and it's so important to be able to understand that we are called to conformity, but not to the world, but to Christ. And that is a brand new mindset. If we go to Romans 8, 5, just, just higher there in verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. But what did we read, Paul, to the Corinthians, that though we are in the flesh, Though there's a humanity to us, we're not to walk according to the flesh, right? We're not to war according to the flesh. But we're to set our minds on things above. Let's read again verse 5. For those who live according to the flesh, set their minds on things of the flesh. But those who live according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So that... Where my So where my mind is set will determine whether I'm in the flesh or I'm in the spirit. It's a spiritual and as simple as that. Where your mind goes, where you learn, you have taught yourself to stay on in your mind is really whether you're walking in the spirit or in the flesh. So to be carnally minded is going to say right here in verse 6, to be carnally minded is death. And so if you're dealing with dead moments all the time, time to come up higher in your mind. Time to shift the gears to back what has God said? What has God said? Who is he in you? Who is he in you? He's resurrector. He's life giver. There is living hope in him. To be carnally minded is dead, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace because the carnal mind is enmity or an enemy to God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. But you're not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. And so then we can go to verse 12 from there. Therefore, brethren, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death 
the deeds of the body you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. How is he leading us? What did he say in verse 14 before, sorry, 13? We always go to verse 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, those are the sons of God. But what is this lead? This lead is in this crucifying life. In verse 13, if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. And so the sons of God live a life that is always mortifying your outer man, your carnal desires, your selfish ambition, your old man. That's it. We're done.